Welcome to today's episode of Beyond Diagnosis. Burnout is on the increase and has become a worldwide problem, traditionally associated with high pressure careers, and yet it's very little known about how someone who is dealing with a long-term health condition or any other form of anxiety or emotional problem can actually have burnout as well. So if you are feeling that you've hit rock bottom and needs uh, solid, actionable steps to start feeling some joy and vitality again, then we've got you covered. Hello and welcome to Beyond Diagnosis, a podcast to raise your awareness, decisions and voice for alternative practices so you can take back control of your health. I'm Rita Michelle, your host, a mindset and empowerment coach and the founder of the Onus platform. Join me each week so you can create the health of your dreams. Michelle Gordon, known as the Healthy Happy Nurse, is a registered nurse, wellness and life coach and NLP practitioner who has successfully overcome her own burnout. Welcome, Michelle. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rita. It's nice, so nice to be here. Oh, it's so good. This is such an important topic because it is kind of becoming a little bit of a pandemic, isn't it? Like you see it everywhere. You see it in the news. You see it on the internet. You hear people talking about how burnt out they are, how unhappy they are. So it's really, uh, I think it's fabulous that you've actually moved into this area to help people. And um as I said, you've experienced your own burnout. So I would kind of, I'd like to start with that, if you don't mind, Michelle, talking a little bit about your experience and how you helped yourself and did the knowledge as of being a registered nurse come into play or not? Mm. That's what mm. I would really, I would really love to, <laughs> if you don't mind speaking to that. Um, yeah. I think that would be really interesting. Okay, so let's go back to 2018 and I was mum of of three children. My children were um, obviously a lot younger back then. My husband was um, starting his own business and we were trying to get that off the ground and I um, have been a nurse at the time for 20, 20 years and was working in an emergency department. And with, I guess, the stress of young family, a, a business, and trying to keep our, you know, ourselves afloat, I just dived into work to 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 um to keep moving. And I was also struggling with my own confidence at work in in quite a high paced fast-paced environment as I'd been nursing for so many years I the the emergency department is is a is a whole beast in itself and I I feel if I could just interrupt there for the view for the listeners to understand well to add to what you're saying in recent years I've had so much experience as helping family who have been in an emergency to mm. two different members of our family it yeah. is something that unless someone has walked into an emergency area of a hospital it is 
like you're stepping onto another planet. It is high pace, high go, high stress, highly organized, highly structured. Yes. It, it actually gives it actually makes your heart race. Even yes. as someone walking in who does who's not the patient. Absolutely. It's your heart race. And mm-hmm. I mean it's it's phenomenal what they do. But uh, yeah, that's just to give a bit of an overview from someone who hasn't been a, pa- a patient in a in a emergency. How why do it? Never alone someone like you who has been working in there and actually dealing with the person who is mm. sick in an emergency situation. So yes. Please, yes. Yes. So it is, that's exactly what the environment is like. And as a nurse, um, it's quite an adrenaline fueled. 8 to 10, 12-hour shift, it's fast-paced, there's a lot going on, it's life or death, you know, very much. Um, You're on as soon as you hit the floor. And I was navigating um, as a nurse my role in that and to counteract, I guess, the way that I was feeling, I just dived all in and I, I picked up a lot of extra shifts. I worked really hard. I was trying to prove myself. Um, I was also a people pleaser at the time, so I lacked a lot of boundaries. I didn't have any boundaries around my time or energy. And I was on the surefire path to burnout. And and, and that's exactly what happened. So it was about a two-year period of, of me working really hard in that environment and I started to really see that I, the first thing I started to notice was I lacked um, joy and happiness and I felt like I was on, it was Groundhog Day. I just felt like I was on this hamster wheel that I couldn't get off. And the only thought was just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. It'll yeah. it'll be all right. And That's I That's a spot- common mantra though, isn't it? It's a common mantra for people. I'll just push through this. I'll yes. just next day, I'll just I'll just push through and when I finish, then I can relax. Exactly. It doesn't work like that, does it? And that's the first stages of burnout. So there's actually 12 stages of burnout that I've researched. Oh, I'd love for you to circle back to that. After, yeah, after, we will. So the first stages are I'll just keep going, I'll just push through. And I, having the knowledge that I have now, I now know that. But um, it didn't work. I got I got really unwell physically, um, mentally and emotionally. I switched off my emotions. I stopped feeling um, because it was easier not to feel at work. It was like there's so much going on that you just turn off your emotional centre. Um, I started to rely on alcohol at the end of the sh- at my shift. Like I'd oh, come wow. home and... As a crutch, but, emotional yeah. crutch. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that would be my... Uh, escape and that soon became a habit so I I very much um, became an alcoholic and I was highly functioning I would be sober enough to go to work and and you know do an amazing job but as soon as I got home behind closed doors I fell in a heap and my my weight ballooned I, I didn't have any energy and I was just like a shell of a person um there was two moments where I went, I knew that I was not in a great place. My husband knew I wasn't in a great place. He didn't know what to do. And um, one of the moments that really sort of turned the was the turning point for me was when my little 
girl who was 18 months old at the time, Mm. she walked up to me as I was sitting on the couch and toddled up to me and I'd had a couple of glasses of wine by this stage. I was still in my scrubs. I was just completely escaping life as I did and I had a busy shift once again and she sort of came up to me and stood right in front of me and, and leaned forward and grabbed my face and just said, looked me in the eye and said, Mummy, where are you? Oh, wow. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Kids are just, they know how to get, it's it's like a laser. They just sense and feel that emotion, don't they? They're uninterrupted. (laughs) They just know exactly. She was reading the energy. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Because I was going to ask you, when you were talking, you mentioned that you came home. And so what was the level of the impact that had on your family, which would then would add to your feeling of burnout and lack of joy and, yeah. you know, I'm not doing the right thing here, you know? Well, I was completely disconnected. Like I was, I was completely detached and disconnected. So I was just um sleepwalking through life you know I would turn myself on to go to work yes. and function at work and 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 save everyone else that's exactly what was happening I'd be on and and um saving lives and yet I'd get home and I'd feel like that my life was just absolutely falling to pieces which it was so um my poor children just I, they lost me for two years you know my husband d- didn't have a wife for two years I was just um yeah I wasn't even there I was physically present but I wasn't there for them and so that was kind of the turning point that I went uh, what am I doing like why am I doing this what is going on here and I'd been given counseling and I'd seen a psychologist I was medicated at one point and nothing was moving the the dial like nothing was shifting I felt like I was just this numb robot talking about stuff that I don't know. I, I wasn't even I wasn't even able to sort of process. I was I was an, on another planet, I guess. And then I think I decided, well, I need to get help. I need to get my body and my mind back. I need to be present for my family. I need to get my energy back. And I worked with a life coach, and that was really the turning point for me to start to switch on a little spark back in my life again Mm. and realise that I had control of my destiny and I had control of this this world, you know, that I, I could, I didn't have to let life happen to me, that I could start to to allow life to happen for me and that's what I started to do. That's that's so great, and that is when the when that light turns on, when you get that shift, and you think, "Oh, wait a minute," because people pleasing is a huge one. I mean, I've definitely ex- had people pleasing, and yeah. people pleasing really, you're always giving, 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 but there's not always a lot coming back. So you you start and you start emptying out. You're always emptying. You're always giving, giving. You start feeling empty, and then you have burnout, which gives you that empty feeling on on top. Yeah. If we could go back to where you said you actually said about the twelve stages of burnout, 
that be I think that would be a really good thing for the listeners to know about because when you were going through this did you think you were just stressed like there's a thing there's a different yeah there's a difference between feeling stressed like I'm stressed today and burnout is is almost like I'm feeling a little unhealthy today and I've got a chronic illness I think Mm -hmm. if I if in my mind the way I see it's like I feel stressed today and burnout is more like a chronic kind of condition of that yeah so did you in the beginning realize that you were burnt out or did you think I'm just stressed from my job I I just put it down to stress and but every day I was stressed and I was thinking well this is normal because I I saw a lot of my colleagues the same you know like they they were Mm. saying the same things as me um however I didn't share with them the deeper part of what was happening at home you know how I was drinking how I was escaping with you know and how dark my thoughts were I didn't share to that level with them because I I was still hiding that I guess um however I could see that a lot of my colleagues were saying the same thing they were feeling stressed they were feeling overwhelmed they were exhausted so that was just that seemed very normal in as a nurse in that type of environment um yeah, it would however two years no like yes yeah that what i started to realize sort of towards the second year was i had very much become detached numb and disconnected from my emotions I was relying on alcohol I had become very cynical I hated life I hadn't felt joy for a long time and my energy levels were non-existent and yeah now looking back at the 12 stages of burnout Mm. Stage one is just pushing through, like we said earlier. I'll just get through. I'll just do this. Stage one and two, I should say, are very much I can do it. I'll prove myself. I'll just do a little bit more. And then you keep pushing through. And then um, what starts to happen is the emotional disconnect happens. You stop doing the things that light you up. You stop looking after your health. You stop um you disconnect from your family and friends, then you can you can start to rely on things like alcohol or food or um, other things to escape life. Mm. And then eventually you travel all the way down to um, complete um, mental, physical and emotional collapse, which is stage 12. And I was probably about stage 11 or 12 when, when that happened, yeah. Wow. That's that is intense, and it's so many people do experience. You hear people talking like this, don't you? You see people who, um, like you said, oh, I'll just have a, a glass or two, oh, and that glass or two ends up becomes three or four. Yeah, or you see people, and all of a sudden, they're eating twice as much as maybe they did before, or they're yeah. snacking all the time, or they're always hungry. They don't yeah. know why, but they're always hungry, or even over-exercising, like yes. some people, they over-exercise, they punish themselves in the gym. Or It's all about kind of punishing yourself because in a way, the way I see it is 
you're not reckon you know at the time you're not recognizing all the symptoms and you're not being educated that it can be burnout and stress so it's almost like i'm not doing good enough i'm not doing well enough so you start shaming yourself without realizing it Absolutely. and you turn to these emotional crutches is that yeah. sort of like what you were feeling yeah and or you go back you overwork you just continue to dive yourself you know into work because it's the one thing that you feel like you have control of even though you don't have control so a lot of people which is what I did as well I wanted to prove myself and control that and very much um people please my way through and do more shifts and pick up all of these things to make myself feel better when I wasn't actually getting to the crux of what is this whole, why do I need to people please and continue to serve everyone else and neglect myself. And it all stemmed down to um, my complete lack of self-worth. It's a big one. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Self-worth is is really, it's a bit like I find self-worth is a bit like when you're looking for the root cause of a health condition, you have to go all the way down. What is at the very root of this symptom, of this condition, or why you're experiencing this? Yeah. Well, like you're saying, people-pleasing and being a workaholic and all the rest of it. Well, what's at the very base of that that you're dealing with? And that does take a lot to get down to. So you said that you did some um, therapy around that. Was that the word? Am I using the right word there for yeah, you? Yeah, I had my or coaching. My so my workplace gave me some counselling sessions, and I, you know, it it just didn't work for me. I didn't I didn't have any change I was so numb and disconnected then um when I had that moment with my daughter I went what I need to this has got to change I need to really step up here and that's when I got into coaching and that that honestly just changed my world which is now why I'm a coach myself um it put me back in the driver's seat it uh, it was me I guess not just talking about the past and talking about the tragic circumstances that I was seeing at work and talking about my feelings because I couldn't feel them at the time. It was actually just getting me to step into my own shoes and my own world and my own, I guess, destiny and take radical responsibility of my life. And Mm -hmm. that meant cutting back my work and that was so hard to do because I'd worked full. I was working more than full time. I was working up to seven shifts a week. So I had to stop all of those things that I was doing, including the drinking and um, the overworking and, and pull right back and, and sh- behave in a very different way. And I had to really mentally kind of come to terms with or who is, why am I doing this? Well, why was I doing this? What does this mean about me now if I'm not working like I was and if I'm not drinking and, like, how do I, you know, how do I show up differently now and who who even am I? Like I had to really come back to a whole new version of myself as Michelle is not going to be this burnt-out, chaotic, 
crazy nurse anymore that, you know, is overworking and over drinking and doing all that th- those things. She's healthy, fit, energized, calm, and she's in control. And so I had to find this new version of myself, which was a whole another journey in itself. But yeah, 12 months later, I became that person. And do you feel that you had to find that version of yourself or was that version always there and the job numbed it down? Like you forgot who you were. And that's the hardest thing. I think that's one of the things when people do coaching or therapy, it's the identity part of it that, you know, it's okay to say, okay, you know, don't work as hard, work less. But once you start making those shifts in your life, well, then you have something else has to if you give up something what is replaced and so it's that I I think it's the identity that scares people in doing a lot of this work because then they have to really like change or go actually go back to the core of who they are oh my gosh I love this conversation yes yeah it really is you have to go back and really feel who am I without pleasing work and without pleasing my husband and without pleasing my kids and without pleasing extended family or things that I think I should do and you know that it's it's challenging and I think I don't know about you but one of the I think one of the most challenging things is is learning to say no Mm. like start developing can we talk a little bit into how you started developing those boundaries and what was the impact on the people around you and how did they feel about it and did that happen once you left work or was it whilst you were still at work and what was the impact of around you like of family etc and how did they take you becoming stronger in yourself so I just want to quickly say that touching on the going back to the core of who I Mm. was that's exactly what I did so and this is when you said that I was like yes that's what happened (laughs) I I was always there but I had all these overlaying patterns and programs that I was playing out like people pleasing perfectionism overworking I had all of these these other programs in my brain that were making me behave the way that I was behaving does that make sense absolutely makes sense and I'm hoping that there's a few light globes going off for the listeners who yeah. can recognize themselves in that and and go back to you're not finding yourself again you know like people say i need to find myself no you're always were there yes it's just cleaning up all of cleaning up it's like yeah it's like that, cleaning yeah. up your room yes. <laughs> you're cleaning up your, your personal space you're cleaning That's up your room cool. yeah and once i cleaned up the people pleasing and you know i had to put the perfectionism playing out and my constant need to overwork I actually just came back to the core of who I was and I was like, there you are. It was like taking off all of these layers of clothing and really finding myself again. It was like, here she is. You've always been there. We got a little bit lost and now this this is who you are. So... Going back to the the people pleasing and the boundaries, I very much had to learn to say uh, to implement those boundaries in my world, and and that very much started with 
saying no at work because I was always the one to say, I'll do it, I'll do the extra shift, I'll stay back overtime, you know, wanting to please and and be recognised and validated. And I just stopped doing that, which was, that was hard at first um, because all sorts of games started to play in my mind. Will I be liked? Will my boss recognise me? You know, like all of these things. Um, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. I, I, we're just a number on a floor in that hospital. Do you know what I mean? Like it, as long as they've got someone on that shift, it didn't matter who it was. So um, or would you say at the time it felt like it had to be you because, yeah, you yeah. know, I'm important. I'm important yeah. to them. I do a great job. And 100%. you don't really realise on the other side, it's like I just need someone in this shift. So you know, I that thing of they can't operate without me. Yes, that's what was playing out. And I, so my identity and my whole self-concept was very much wrapped up in me being so validated, needed and all of this, you know, and so I was constantly putting my hand up to do all the extra shifts. So I just started to say no, which felt very strange at first, but a lot of the work, that I did, which is what I do with my clients now, is really around values alignment. And what I realized was I I was completely out of alignment with my values. I was operating in the hospital system's values, not my own. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I re recognized, well, what are my values, which was a huge um, process in itself because I didn't even know what they were, when I really identified them, I realised that that I to show up in that way meant to to do the things that were in alignment with them, and that meant not being at work all the time. That meant family was important to me. That meant mm. calmness was important. Space, having freedom, all the things that I wasn't doing in my life. So. I had to realise, well, is this in alignment? You know, for me saying yes to all, all of these things and, and giving away my time and energy, not just to work but to other people as well um, around me, I I realised, well, no, it wasn't, so I'm not going to to do that. And that that was a, a little bit of a process but I, I did it and it was it was great, so... That's, that's really interesting and that was something I'd like to talk about is just leaning into a little bit about that process is, you know, like that's when people say to become more intentional about what you do, yeah. intentional about what you think. Um, can you just tell the listeners what did you do? How did you, apart from doing the coaching, apart from doing the mindset coaching, was there anything that you did at home that's, that helped you tap into those values, to start recognising what those values are. Because when someone's completely numb, they're sitting at home, someone's maybe listening to this and they have burnout. Mm -hmm. What did you do? How did you start tapping into finding what your value was if you feel like you're totally emotionally disconnected? Yeah, a lot of it was stop, just stopping and being with myself. And that meant a lot of solitude time because I was so used to being on amongst it all in the emergency department or at home with my family. I I, I was always surrounded by so many people. So I went pretty much went within for a good three months and I didn't see 
my friends. I didn't, and I, you know, this is not for everyone, but it was something that I really needed to do was to just get some peace and calmness around without all the chaos and the noise. And that looked like for me starting to meditate, which I'd never done before and really, yeah, training my brain to just sit with itself and be in the silence and and be with my thoughts because I'd never allowed myself to do that. Lots of amazing long, slow beach walks. I live by the beach here and even just doing that was just so beautiful of a morning. I'd get up at, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning and go for a beach walk. And I started to realize that I was waking up with having this quiet time and peace and solitude. I was waking, starting waking up emotionally. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Waking yeah. up emotionally. Oh, waking up emotionally. I was like starting to see things again. It was like I was seeing the sky was really blue. The the, the water was amazing. I could, I could hear the waves. It was all of a sudden my emotions started to, to switch on again. And I, a lot of those beach walks were just tears coming, you know, that had been in my burnout time. I switched all of that emotional center off and just stored that all in my body. So um, very much the, the the solitude really helped me to come back to myself and and realign. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm hearing is like people can just do the smallest things to start. They can allow themselves to cry. Mm. Like don't shut. Like I suppose if I can ask, um, you would have gone into this. Would you have gone into this in the beginning, like you were when you were still? having your coaching, was it hard for you to think, oh, I'm not meditating properly. I shouldn't be thinking. I shouldn't let my my mind, you know, all the shoulds, shoulds. Yes, that happened. Yeah. So it's about going in without judgment, with compassion. Yeah. And, And I just continued to be consistent with that. I journaled. That was another thing that I started to do was to journal my thoughts out and and then I was starting to recognize how I was feeling and I was like none of these things I was comprehending at the time I was just constantly on so to sit down and go at the end of my day just to map out some of the thoughts and feelings and just it was almost like a download into my journal yeah, it, I started to really mm. make sense of of so many things that I had disconnected from. Yeah, it's amazing. And I have heard that journaling is fantastic, you know, because I heard this great saying once that, you know, journaling is great because it goes from the mind to the heart to the hand. Oh, beautiful, it, yes. Yeah, so it's like take it from your mind, bring it into your heart, through your hand and put it out and if it's something you need to release burn whatever later just to let it go it's a very effective i would like to get to journaling i haven't done it but i you know i'm sure it helped you immensely you're yeah. saying to get those emotions down onto paper yeah yeah and yeah. it's just another form of processing and starting to understand yourself you know at that emotional level because um yeah when when like I said in burnout 
one of the, you know, the middle stages of burnout is really disconnecting from those emotions and just, yeah, switching off. So um, it's a it's a beautiful process, but that that quiet solitude time really helped me in the beginning. And I listened to some podcasts and I, I just started to, yeah, rewire a, a new way of, of how I was going to show up not the the Michelle who was doing and people pleasing and running around, <laughs> yeah. And for people who are um, still in that, um, can you speak to how maybe they can, you know, they're like they're they're scared to open up their emotions because you know they're still people pleasing or they're still in perfection. Um, mm-hmm. Can you speak to how it would be? beneficial for them like if they or what's what's the very first step that they could do what's the very simplest step that they could do to go like to go, is it to go speak to someone like you did or if they're too scared like a lot of people will go no you know I can't go open up my emotions to someone what could you say to encourage someone to say yeah. it's okay to open up it's safe to open up and that is to acknowledge and accept yourself. And I think we we know, and I, going back to past me, I knew that I was in a lot of trouble, but I wasn't willing to accept that. And until I came to the acceptance piece of this is where I am, my life is not great. In fact, my health, my relationships, everything was um, falling apart. I didn't, I chose to ignore and keep pushing through and put my head in the sand essentially, which was that whole two-year period. The moment that I accepted that for myself and went, wow, Mm. this is exactly where I'm at and it is not great, okay, now how do I move forward? That piece of acceptance allowed me then to start to figure out what was the next steps that I needed. And... I think if you can take a moment to acknowledge and accept where you are at in terms of your burnout journey um, for the listeners or or if perhaps life isn't where you thought or where you wanted it to be, lean into the acceptance part. And once you've done that and fully come to acceptance, the next step will come to you. Yeah, it's a progression. It's a natural progression, and you will. It'll everything will just start dropping into your awareness. Yes, I feel that you know for you to take the next step. What was so you had a two month, a two year, sorry, two year um, experience of burnout. How long did it take you to feel that you've come back to yourself? Just so they get a, because it's not an overnight process and we don't want people thinking that these things, oh, I'll just stop working so hard and I'm going to be better. You know, mm. it is a process to get back. How long, about how long did that take you? So that took me um, 12 months. Right. And I wrote, so after I worked with my first coach, I did my own I sort of took off and went, right, I really need to unravel my um, my beha- behaviours and the patterns and programs that I was running that we talked about, the people-pleasing, perfectionism, the overworking. I really need to look at those. I really need to overhaul my mindset. 
I really need to look at my limiting beliefs. So I started to figure out there were certain ways that my brain was processing information, which was affecting the way that I was acting, so my behaviours. And that's when I went on this really big self-led journey of um, the, the, I guess the the rest of the time over that twelve months, and I've now mapped that out into an online course, and so I've helped around two hundred and fifty women now through burnout, and I've taken them through the entire process of what I did over a three month period. So I've really streamlined that into a. a I call it the health and happiness formula and it's a step-by-step process of what I did over three months and the women that I work with now are seeing massive results in three months because of the intense, yeah. That's incredible. It's fantastic that you've taken something that you experienced so deeply. You know, you came from, you know, being a registered nurse, to burn out, to now coach, and to now helping women. That's a beautiful, that that line, isn't it, where you've mm. taken a personal experience and now you're putting your, doing good by helping others who are experiencing the same. Yeah, yeah. If I could ask, on a happiness and vitality meter, where do you say that you would sit now compared to before, obviously compared to before? Oh, 10. So I wake up, and I love this question because I wake up with so excited for each day. Like I wake up with this energy. I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm like so pumped. It's every day feels like Christmas day for me. Like that's how I feel. Beautiful. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, my children are like, mom, you know, because now you're too much. (laughs) Now you're too happy. And that's it. But um, it's I've got so much energy. I get up, I exercise, I do my morning routine and ritual. I buzz around all day. I'm just I just have this huge vitality for life and just this energy. You know, if it, when I was in my burnout, I was sitting around a one, maybe two. Mm. And this is the this is what I ask my clients when they start with me. I'm like, where do you sit? Um, and often they say, you know, two, three, four, um, and they leave, you know, after um, those three months, eight, nine, ten, and that's where I sit now. Here I am five years later and I'm like, I just, I love life. I'm excited about life. You can but- feel the passion because you've got a passion now. Yeah, Is yeah. You know, and speaking of a passion, it sounds like such a passion project. Within, Without giving away too much, just within a few lines, how do you do that with your client? What do you do with your clients to take them through just so the listeners can think, I am going to book in with Michelle. This is this is it for me. So the first part is, and you mentioned this, is um, realigning with the core of who you are. Mm. So that is the first part of the process over the three months is we realign with your values, the core of who you are, what makes you you and find you again. The second Second part is cleaning up the resistant patterns and programs in that are creating or perhaps fueling burnout. So we look at cleaning up that people pleasing behavior. We look at cleaning up the over functioning, the the overworking, overcompensating, the mm. um, perfectionism. And the third part of what I do is help 
people um, re-regulate their nervous system so that they've got create a really beautiful harmony and balance in their personal and professional life and um, what their goals and dreams are, what they want to do and achieve. So at the end of the day, I help women and nurses um, break free from burnout and overwhelm and create a life that they love. Beautiful. What a great mission. Yeah. It's my favourite thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) You can see it. You can see it. To finish the interview, can you just give our listeners just three quick tips of what they can do tomorrow or today to start getting a handle on their stress, over on their burnout, just three things they can do at home for themselves without feeling like they should, not another thing they have to do, but something that may bring a little bit more peace and joy. Mm. Oh, gosh, where, where do I start with this? First, The first part would be acknowledge and accept, which is what I spoke about before. So what in your life isn't working for you right now? Do a brain dump. So that is mm. the first thing. So they what have to recognise what they're doing. So yeah. you're saying, so if they're over-drinking, they have to recognise, they have to become consciously aware of the fact that they are over-drinking. Yeah. Or I they- don't have any energy or my health, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, 10 kilos overweight or I don't like my workplace and I feel stuck at my workplace, you know, like what is it that's happening that you're not happy about? So write it down and get and have a look at that. The next part is really being accepting of that. This is what it is. This is where I'm at now. And the third part is what is my first priority here? What needs to happen first? That's most important out of all of these things. And what action can I take there? Because everyone has the answers inside. And what a coach does, yeah, is help them, is help. um, Draw it out. Bring that out and, and find the answers. We all have the answers and what coaching does is really help you become um, and, and take radical responsibility for yourself and and peel back all of the stuff. So, yeah, at the end of the day is what action can I take first? And, you know, for me it was my health and my energy and my health because if I didn't have that, well, then, you know, mm. I couldn't really do anything else. So, I would be looking at your health and energy first and then you can start to look at relationships, job, you know, all of the other things in your life that you would like to perhaps improve. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michelle, for helping Mm -hmm. women to step back into their power and take back control of their health because at the end of the day we have to recognise that we have choice and that we are in control of our life and things don't just happen to us, that we need to steer our life, we need to drive our life. And it's so fantastic that you're helping so many women do that. Amazing. Thank you for having me and sharing this amazing podcast. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, if anyone wants to connect with Michelle and inquire about her program, all her details will be in the show notes. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. It was so good to have you on the show.
Thank you. I would love to know what was the biggest insight or aha moment you got from this interview so you can now speak up, take action and make informed decisions for your health. And if you like this episode, get instant access to your free ebook, Alternative Wisdom, Taking Back Control of Your Health at life-onus.com.